0: listening to the Crosscheck NHL show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hello and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL show. Thanks for making the Crosscheck NHL show your first listen every Tuesday and Friday. We're free and available on all platforms, now including YouTube. My name is Mary Clark, staff writer for The Win, and you can follow me on Twitter at Mary C. Clark. I'm here with Andrew Berkshire, NHL analyst for the Montreal Gazette and host of Game Over Montreal on the SDPN. You can follow on Twitter at Andrew Berkshire. On this Friday edition of the Crosscheck, it's trade deadline crunch time. Wednesday featured a handful of significant trades with Ben Sherratt and Yellett and callie yarn both moving the sharks locked up tomash hurdle for the next eight years the abs are clearing cap space and we make some predictions because why not it's fun so andrew before we start today's show how you doing
1: i'm doing well i'm you know in a good mood got to uh finish mrs mazel i guess we talked about that last show not really much going on for me right now i've got a meeting after this show and that's about it got a game over in Montreal tonight after the Canadians game against the Stars but overall I'm just chill Mary, how about you
0: good uh like I said in the intro it's a uh, crunch time for the trade deadline uh, this will be the last show uh you hear from us before uh the trade deadline on Monday so uh we're going to do our best to recap all the action um but probably by the time you hear this because we're recording on Thursday something will have probably happened a trade will have broken um it's also going to be Claude Drew's last game uh most likely last game tonight with the Flyers or at least you know his thousandth game with the Flyers so there's a lot of stuff we won't be able to cover but just know that you know we were collecting all this information to talk about for our Tuesday show but I'm good uh like I said uh my mind is full into trade deadline season right now uh you know i'm completely ready for it uh i hope this weekend's gonna have some good like good stuff for us and i also hope deadline day is gonna at least be enjoyable because i'm gonna get up early i'm working a different shift than i normally do because since the deadline is at three o'clock in the afternoon that's when i usually start work uh so i'm going to be it's just gonna be a little bit uh different for me but i'm looking forward to it. trade deadline season is fun Um, and we've got a lot to talk about in that regard because this entire episode is basically all about the trade deadline because there's really no other bigger story uh, in the NHL right now because a lot of things are most likely going to change Um, but we're going to start off in the first segment with a trade deadline deal roundup because (laughs) I wrote the document uh, last night before the big trades got announced so I was like well there's not a lot to talk about there's these small moves and then of course. Callie Yarncroak and Ben up both got traded within basically like a half hour of each other. Um, so Callie Yarncroak is now on the Calgary Flames. Um, and he was traded from the Seattle Kraken. If you completely forgot he was on the Kraken, that's okay. Uh, probably a lot of people did because unfortunately the Kraken just haven't been... Outside of like their first, you know, couple weeks of existence, they just haven't been really, you know, in the uh hockey zeitgeist. But uh the Calgary Flames acquired Yarncroak, uh, the Kraken get a 2022 second, a 2023 third, and a 2024 seventh. So the three draft picks they give up or they gave up are spread over three years. Uh so I guess we'll talk about that one first because that's not the most exciting one because I know we want to talk about Ben Schrott uh and you know everything with you. Um Andrew, but, you know, this is the, this was the first one that kind of came down uh, on Wednesday nights. We'll talk about the smaller trades in a bit, but do you have any thoughts on this one, Andrew, um, with, you know, the flames continuing to beef up uh, their offense?
1: I mean, I, I like what the flames are doing. I think young has had a bit of a tough season. You look at the, uh, like his underlying numbers, it seems like he's fallen off a little bit, but at 30 years old on a team, like the flames, he could, like, he's not going to be asked to do, as much as he was on the kraken i feel like my issue with kelly yarn is is he a good player or does he just have a 10 out of 10 name because i <laughs> friggin love his name there's always You're guys right. in the league where if i was playing like nhl 22 i'd be like i'm trading for that guy because i like his name
0: isn't it like iron hook or something like that i think it's something like that. I swore yes. I saw yeah, his, it going around His nickname around
1: is Ironhook. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I saw it going around last night when he was traded.
1: Which is uh, fantastic. Because... It sounds like yeah. a freaking Viking, right? Like, yeah. He he seems like a good dude. Uh, he's had a decent career. He's like a 30, 35-point guy. His offensive production is really strong the last two seasons uh, compared to his career average. But he's mostly just like a middle-of-the-lineup guy. I think it's a good trade for the Flames. I'm actually kind of surprised that the return was that heavy for the Kraken. But at the same time, good for them because they were really screwed out of everything by Vegas getting everybody to buy in too deep for for their own expansion draft. So good to see the Seattle Kraken building some assets here. I'm kind of a little bit sad that the Flames went this way and didn't bring back Mark Giordano just Mm -hmm. because I... I'd want to see that reunion. And I feel like yeah. he was such a great player for for them for so long. It'd be nice to see Giordano back in the fold for the flames while they're actually going to contend. Cause I know they were looking at left-handed defensemen and he's still probably better than a lot of the other field.
0: Yeah, no, 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 no. I- that, that thought really didn't even occur to me because giordano's been uh i think we'll talk about him i have you know him predicted to go somewhere but giordano's been you know talked about with a couple of the teams and uh the flames seem to have been trying to build more on their offense and defense at this deadline so i think it's at least a good fit in terms of you know the flames adding to their bottom six um obviously the uh Toffoli deal is you know going to move obviously that happened a couple weeks ago but that's going to move the needle more than you know Yarncroke is but you know I I don't mind the return here that the Kraken got uh because the draft picks are spread over like three seasons um so, you know, it, it it at least lessens the brunt a little bit in my eyes. Um, but we'll move on from that deal because this segues right into what I was going to talk about is uh, the returns uh, have been pretty, pretty good so far for the two major trades that have happened on Wednesday, uh, which signals to me that it's going to be kind of a seller's market. Uh, I think I mentioned last time, but uh, the other big deal that came down on Wednesday is the Panthers acquired Ben Chirot from canadians so the panthers get ben charat the montreal canadians get forward tyler Sim- similanic i don't know I, I said on twitter last night i don't know who this guy is and i think a lot of people probably feel the same way so i get- i would
1: pronounce it s, uh, s- okay so the google <laughs> failed me there google auto completed it as ty similac and i was like oh this is the same as the baby formula but it's smilinac Smilanak?
0: okay thank you i am Usually, as you can tell with the show, I usually can hear like once I hear something pronounced, I'm much better at it than trying to read it myself. But you know, they pick up him, uh, they get a 2022 fourth round pick and a 2023 first. So Ben Charat commanded a first round pick. It will be next year's draft, but you know, they got a first-round pick for Sherratt. And also, the Canadians retained 50% of Sherratt's contract. Also, I believe uh, the Kraken uh, retained 50% of uh, Kelly Yarncroke's contract. So, it seems to be that, so far, with these two major moves, because, like, you know, they they were two players that we've talked about um, as players that were probably going to move. It seems, you know, the salary retention um, is a trade-off for, you know, the bigger return you get. So, there's... Uh, It kind of seems like last year, there's a lot of salary retention. We may see, like, you know, three-way trades uh, as we get closer to the deadline. But, uh, Andrew, you uh, have seen Ben Chirot, you know, you've covered the Canadians. Uh, How do you think this deal works out uh, for the Panthers and then also for the Canadians?
1: I mean, here's the thing. The Panthers don't need Chirot to play the minutes that the Canadians did. But I don't think you spend a first-round pick on a player unless you think that he's going to play those minutes. I think this is a really bad trade for Florida. Yeah. Uh, ben Sherratt, he has his value in terms of attrition because he is legitimately punishing to play against. But for all the people who were talking about like how great he was in last year's playoffs, the Canadians were literally worse with him on the ice than any other defenseman. And his numbers were... Absolutely brutal in the playoffs, despite the fact that he was playing like 85, 90% of his minutes with Shea Weber, whose numbers were fantastic. So, in those numbers where he wasn't being carried by Weber, he was just getting brutalized. And I think that when Sherrod leans into his offensive game, he's actually a useful player, but those moments are few and far between. And I'm not sure he'll get the opportunity to do that in Florida. Like, he's not going to be playing on the power play like he was in Montreal, which wild choices to be putting him on the power play, but they were. I just, I don't understand outside of attrition and maybe leadership qualities, what he brings to the table that teams love so much, because it's not even just analytics. Don't even look at analytics. It's pure goal differential. He's in the bottom 10 of every player in the entire league over the last three seasons in goal differential. Like he is just A negative impact player on the ice it doesn't matter like even if you say oh well he's playing tough minutes okay fine he's still having the worst goal impact on his team among anybody on the roster so yeah okay he's playing tough minutes he can play those minutes physically but he's getting brutalized in them so wouldn't literally anybody else do a slightly better job? Like, do you really think the minutes are that tough that it would justify being among the worst in the entire league? It's it's wild to me. And this is why I'm not really buying the idea of it being a buyer's market, which is what was floated uh yesterday by Frank Saravalli <laughs> around the time that Frank Vitrano got traded to the to the Rangers. And I I, I called him out a little bit because Listen, I'm not an economics major or anything like that, and I'm not an insider. I wouldn't question Frank Saravalli's insider credentials, but his understanding of economics seems pretty bad because the Vetrano trade was very clearly a team in the Florida Panthers who were desperate to clear cap space. And yes, the return for Vetrano was bad. And they're like, oh, and he was like, oh, look at this. Prices are going down. It's a buyer's market. And it's like, they're not a seller. Mm-hmm. They're a buyer the market pressures on sellers and buyers trying to clear cap space are entirely different. Sellers don't have to sell players. You know, like there's very few players who they absolutely have to sell, you know? like So th- the whole idea that it was a buyer's market to me sounds, it- it's not based on reality, right? It's just, you look at what they paid for Sherat, what uh, was paid for Yarncroak, who's like a decent, but not amazing player. I think this is a, very hot seller's market. The issue is that most of the buyers don't have the financial wiggle room to make big moves, but the moves that they are going to make, I think they're going to pay through the nose for, because as you mentioned earlier, retaining salary is going to be very big. And because they have such little space to fit players, they're going to have to find the exact right fit. They're going to have to do three-way trades if we get trades at all. Like, this is I a perfect situation for, for sellers. I think there will be trades, but I'm saying like probably fewer of them because there's going to be more details yes. to these yes. trades than usual. It People are going to have to get much more creative to get this stuff done. I was just looking through cat friendly quickly. And the number of teams that have fewer than a million dollars in cap space. Right now, or projected cap space for the deadline, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Over half, half the league. league is capped out. Like, the Colorado Avalanche moved Tyson Jost, uh, who I think they liked, to clear cap space to bring in Josh Manson, and they're probably going to trade for Claude Giroux. But again, I, I think they still have to move out space to yeah. trade for Claude Giroux. Like, there's a lot of dominoes that are going to have to fall here. And I think the prices that we're going to see for players that move are going to be really high.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the impression I got on Wednesday night when, you know, because we, you know, heard about, you know, Yarn Croak and Sherat moving, but we didn't hear the returns for a little bit. Uh, so people were kind of waning for a while. Uh, and then, you know, it gets uh, revealed that Charat goes for first. Uh, and that really, you know, spells it out to me. You're right. Like, like I said, Uh, retaining salary is going to be huge at this deadline. And we saw last year the, you know, three-way trades. There were multiple three-way trades um, at the deadline last year. I think we're going to see more of that. We haven't seen that yet, but I think as we get closer to the deadline, you're right, teams are going to have to be creative in how they're going to work, like, do these things and work this stuff out. Um, Because, you know, it's, it's clear that, you know, teams like the Avs, the Panthers, uh, they're starting to move around cap space in order to try and land, you know, big fish like Juru um, and possibly other players uh, if they can't get him. So it's going to be interesting to see how thing these things shake out because, you know, we could get a lot of activity with, you know, teams, you know, moving cap space, uh, like small moves like that. Or we could just get a deadline of silence if, you know, they're not able to make these trades happen and you know work out the deals in the way they want them to um but you did mention you know frank vetrano uh going to um going to the rangers and the panthers got their 2022 fourth round pick which i believe they sent uh to uh montreal for the charat deal so like i said a lot of setup moves um you know for bigger moves in the future um so that was one of them uh yes you also mentioned that uh the avalanche traded tyson jost um and got back nico sturm in return um and then also the avalanche acquired josh manson from the ducks um the ducks i had as like primed as a uh big seller at this deadline you know they got josh manson hampus lindholm and uh ricard raquel as the um you know trio i kind of like highlighted um personally as like you know players that could get moved josh manson got moved uh so we could still see those other two get moved um but you know these moves are really just interesting from what they could mean for the deadline because uh like you know thursday we're we're recording on thursday so we're what four days out by the time you hear this it'll be what three something to that effect um And those two moves happened, those two big moves happened all in like the span of like, uh, like a half hour uh, late Wednesday night. So, you know, there is a lot can happen, you know, Thursday night when, when, you know, this, uh, this recording is uh, waiting to be, uh, you know, published uh so sorry i am also trying to pay attention to my cat while i talk about this because she is (laughs) she is not happy with me right now because she wants attention but the point still stands is that you know i had originally written this part of the doc to be like man there's not a lot of trades uh but we'll talk about the small ones that happened because they seemed like you know teams were allocating cap space and whatnot then of course we got the two big moves in and yarn croak but um, I think we can at least move on from there because, you know, seller's market. That's kind of what we're predicting right now. Uh, but we're going to move on and talk about a player that took himself off of the trade market uh, and signed a deal with the sign, re-signed with the San Jose Sharks in uh, Tomáš Hurdle, uh, one of the bigger offensive players I had marked um, as somebody to watch out for. He is off the market uh, and we'll talk about that coming up right after this. This is the time of year I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Bilt Bar. and almost feels like it's not really a resolution, because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Bilt Bar's best-tasting bars. Puffs are the first-ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite. some incredible flavors, yummy- Cinnamon-y churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. So good. These are going to be your new favorite. All bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, puffs included. 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Go to Biltz.com and scroll down to the macro chart. You'll be blown away. High protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carb. Most built bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Try flavors such as mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, new for this month, white chocolate cookies, and cream. They're all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. If they think a flavor might be good, they'll make it. It will be delicious and good for you. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. and make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. I don't know how, but they pull it off every time. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off of your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. On Monday, March 21st at 3.30 Eastern, tune into Locked on Fantasy Hockey's live deadline reaction show to get all the on-ice fantasy embedding analysis you need from hosts Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone with appearances from a roster of local team experts, plus catch our own show on Tuesday for our reactions to the deadline. So, Andrew, more trade deadline stuff, uh, but this time it was uh, not a trade, but a re-signing. Uh, Tomash Hurdle is off the market now uh, as he re-signed with the Sharks on an eight-year deal that has an average annual value of eight million uh, one like eight point one three seven five million. So uh i had written hurdle as uh, one of my top uh trade deadline pieces to watch as a player that could be moved and then he resigns immediately after i write that piece uh as it does in the content world um so what do you think of this deal uh there was a lot of talk beforehand that maybe hurdle could move uh i the sharks were really gunning to resign him uh that was like the big talk leading up to the deadline but you know you never know with these things but he resigns with the sharks gonna stay there um through his age 36 season um i really like tomas hurdle a lot uh i think he would have been a really cool player to be on you know the deadline like you know the you know the trade block just from you know what he could bring to other teams after all uh, when i've played fantasy hockey i have named my teams teenage mutant ninja hurdle uh so i've always enjoyed hurdle as a player uh i just you know i thought he'd was fun, uh, kind of underrated in certain aspects. Uh, but what do you think of this deal, Andrew?
1: I really like Thomas Hurdle. I am mildly appalled by the fact that he is 28 because I feel uh-huh. like his first game in the NHL where he scored four goals and retired Marty Biron and said fun must be always was yesterday. So yeah. that's really like hurting my soul a little bit. But as much as I do like Thomas Hurdle, what are the Sharks doing? Yeah. Like, for the next three years, they have $42.6 million committed to Logan Couture, Tomasz Hurdle, Eric Carlson, Brent Burns, and Mark Edward Velasik. I would want maybe two of those players, and I would not want Eric Carlson at 11.5.
0: Oh yeah. That that deal Slow. took a complete nosedive. Like Well and
1: here's the thing, that deal took a nosedive, but that's the best one of the ones that they signed until hurdle. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <I laughs> All mean, the other ones of, are worse. A lot of people took a nosedive LASIK, like really took a nosedive like I think we talked about this before
1: the crazy thing is Vlasic took a nosedive before his deal like it was very predictable they could have avoided that they Mm -hmm. they chose to make that mistake and for what it's worth Hurdle has not taken a nosedive I think he's a really good player you know he is their first line center essentially so like in terms of value it makes sense but not for this team yeah it's it just it makes no sense long term or short term, I don't know what the Sharks believe they're doing. Yeah. Because they are at best right now a highly mediocre team. And with the contracts that they're anchored to, I know they have some good young players coming up, but I don't think that they're good enough to make a competitive team with these anchors on them.
0: It's like it's, they're trying to be the Kings because the Kings have a similar thing of like they've got young players, like good young players that are on this team, on like that will eventually take over the team. But the Kings also have a lot of their older contracts uh, still on the team.
1: Uh, yeah, some leftovers from when they were winning cups, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. It almost feels like they're trying to do that, but I don't, I don't think it's going to be as effective because I think they're in much worse cap streets than the. Kings. Oh yeah, <laughs>
1: like, I mean, when you think about it, like. The John Quick deal went sour, but he's only making 5.8. You can kind of accept that. And they have Drew Doughty, who's overpaid but still good, at 11, and Anzi Kopitar at 10. But Kopitar only has two years left, right? And Doughty's signed for forever, but that's really only one terrible contract. Yeah. The Kings are in a way better position than the Sharks. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I feel like what's inexcusable about that is that teams who win multiple cups get in worse cap situations regardless, right? Like that's, you almost like, it's it, almost impossible to separate mentally, I won with these guys versus what's my next move. Yeah, I mean, right? it's like
0: the 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 Blackhawks. Yes, I mean, in a, it, every team goes through this of you know, like trying to stay loyal to the veterans that you know won them their cups, versus uh, doing what is best for your hockey team, and that often includes letting them go so you can get younger and not paying these older players uh more than they are worth currently. Like don't get me wrong, Hurdle is an incredible player. I'm glad he, you know, got paid here. Like I think that's great for him and he's a great player. It's just from the Sharks perspective. You're right. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense. I don't know what the identity of this team is. I really don't.
1: And the thing is Hurdle's deal will go bad. Because he signed until 36. Six,
0: yeah. You
1: know, like...
0: Not many people defy the aging curve. I mean, the Pittsburgh Penguins, we keep saying, will eventually fall off a cliff, but they haven't yet. I mean, yeah, you know... Yeah, I think
1: it's, it's also different with, like, generational players, yes. right? That, like, yes. you're not nervous about signing Crosby to 36 years old, yeah. whereas you would Crosby. be about other Hurtle. players, yeah. you know? E- even, like, Chris Letang, his next contract carries a lot of risk... Even though he has beaten the odds time and time again through injury and illness, and continued to be a very consistent, very good player, the next contract is worrisome, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, you look at how players have fallen off in their early to mid thirties in recent years. It's something to worry about, and the Sharks seem to just not care. Yeah, it's, it's wild because I I don't know what
0: how the much plan money is. Andrew, since you're probably looking at the Cat Friendly page, how much money is tied up in all of those bad contracts? Uh, and I guess include hurdles in it, too. Because Oh, for not- the
1: Sharks? Yeah. I, I said it already. For the next oh, you three did? years? Yeah, I did. Perfect. It was. Let me see. I have it on my calculator. Thank you. Here.
0: I, was, I think I was looking at something else. I have... I've been while like while we've been recording this, I'm keeping an eye on Twitter just in case if anything breaks. So I've yeah. been like I have notifications turned on for certain like insiders. So anytime I see that, I have been clicking on it just to make sure. So I probably missed it. But what is it again, Andrew?
1: So For the next three years until Brent Burns's contract expires, at which time he'll be 40, by the oh, way, because oh, he's God. already 37.
0: Man. Oh, uh, wow.
1: They have $42.64 million That's- attached to five players. That's and they are not a playoff team. They're the not even really that close. It, yeah. it is over half the cap. Yeah. Oh, next year, it will be over half the cap. Probably the following year, it'll be slightly under half the cap.
0: Oh, yeah. Because it's not going
1: to be that. Uh, you know, people talk about the Maple Leafs having, you know, like cap issues and like a bad... Uh, salary allocation because they have like uh Marner and Matthews and uh, Tavares all above $10 million and like, yeah, it's a lot. And I think it gets incredibly more difficult next year with Morgan Riley being overpaid at 7.5 million, but, but all those players are really good and yep. all those players except for Tavares are under 30, you know, mm-hmm. and the sharks by contrast, all those players who were signed long-term. Sorry, I clicked on the Kraken. One second. All those players who were signed long-term. Let's look at their ages. Logan Couture, 32. Timo Meyer. when this deal kicks in, 29. Eric Carlson, 31. Brent Burns, 37. Mark Edward Velasic 34. What are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> like...
0: And while you were talking about this, I looked this up and I hope Wikipedia is not lying to me. But has Doug Wilson been the GM of the San Jose Sharks since 2003? Or is that a lie? He has been there
1: the whole time. Yeah. He has, frankly, like until recently, I think he did a bang up job. It's just that the Sharks just kept on getting everything go against them in the playoffs. Yeah. They they probably should have won a couple cups, but. He's lost the plot here. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. think he started losing it when he signed a Kane, when he traded and signed for a yeah. Kane.
0: Yeah. And when was that? 20? I don't remember. It when. was a while ago. Yeah. It. Yeah. But I, sorry, I, you were saying that and I was looking this up to be like, how long has uh, Doug Wilson been there? And he has been there since 2003. That is wild. I would not be surprised if, you know, we see some sort of GM change within the next calendar year. There's no yeah, way. I mean, like, good there's luck no to way. the next
1: guy because there's no yeah, way you're I mean, getting out from under those.
0: It's like a Vancouver Canucks situation, basically, like trying to get out from, you know, under all of their terrible contracts. It's just, yeah, I don't know what you do if you're the Sharks. I mean, like I said, great for Hurdle for, you know, securing the money. Uh, he's an incredible player. I, I, Like I said, I wish he could have been on the market because I think, you know, uh he would have it would have been cool to you know see like a bidding war for him because I don't know he's a fun player uh and you know I I like him but I just don't get what the sharks are doing. And I think I think Andrew you sum it up greatly. Doug Willis Doug Wilson has lost the plot here in San Jose. Uh and I would not be surprised if we see a GM change within the calendar year because you know if the Sharks continue to be bad going into next year, he's probably somebody I would look at of you know it's just wild he's been there since 2003 like i couldn't believe that when i saw that on wikipedia the sharks have only had uh four three no four gms total in their history that's just i cannot believe that is there i wonder like how many other gms are have been tenured as long as that uh
1: i think david poyle is oh yeah yeah you're right since i think since the predators began he's been there
0: yeah he's been there for a long time
1: And the only other one who's been there for super long that I can think of is Doug Armstrong has been in St. Louis for a very long time.
0: Yeah, you're right. Maybe it's just because, you know, I, you know, follow the Flyers closely and people are already talking about uh, how Chuck Fletcher should be out as GM. Uh, So, like, the Flyers have had a revolving door of coaches and possibly GMs. So uh, maybe I just don't realize how long of a shelf life GMs have, but that's wild to me. But we're going to move on from there and the San Jose Sharks, and we're going to talk in our final hockey segment of the uh, day. We're going to talk predictions, uh, and this will probably get shot to hell before <laughs> before this episode goes live, because that's how it goes with Shade Deadline stuff. But, you know, it's fun to make predictions, uh, and I had a few here I wanted to talk about. Uh, I don't know if you have any, Andrew, but uh, we'll be talking about that coming up right after this. It's that time of year again, as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. Bet online remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. Bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Andrew, like I mentioned before we went to break, it's prediction time because we are in the final segment, or hockey segment, of today's show, um and it is right before the trade deadline and you know it's it's fun to make predictions mostly because I'm wrong and the first one of the first predictions I put down here is that the Maple Leafs would have overpaid for Ben sherat but then of course the Panthers overpaid for Ben Chirot so I had to remove that prediction from my list I did write a Maple Leafs, uh prediction and it's something I talked about earlier in the show uh, but I have a few predictions here Andrew I don't know if you have any so I guess I will start us off with Claude Giroux will head to the Avs uh, this weekend. Uh, I wavered between the Panthers and the Avs because those are the two teams that seem to be making a run for him. But with the Panthers moving out their 2023 first, and I don't think that they have a first this year, I don't know if the Flyers will bite on that. Who knows what the return could possibly be? I heard that, you know, Owen Tippett is somebody the Flyers may be looking at, but I also feel like they kind of want a first-round pick for Giroux. I don't know what the Avs have in their pocket, but, you know, hearing the return for the Sherratt deal last night kind of pushed me towards the edge of Claude Giroux going to the Avs. I don't know if you have a prediction on where Giroux lands, but it really feels like given everything the Flyers have, you know, because it's going to be his 1,000th game, Uh, Tonight, uh, on Thursday in Philly, uh, given everything that surrounds uh, those proceedings and the way Giroud has talked, it feels like this is in part celebration, one part celebration, one part farewell tour. Giroud will be on the avalanche by the next time we talk. That's my first prediction.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely a a really good chance of happening. I think that uh, the avalanche are the team that look like they're clearing things out in order to add specifically Giroux, I think that he would fit in really well there. The Avalanche don't have a first-round pick or a second-round pick this year or a fourth-round pick. Ooh. Next year, they're missing their second and fourth as well. So in terms of picks, it's really 2023 first-round. First. Yeah. And I wonder if the other option that they have, and I know he hasn't been great, like his development has kind of stagnated a little bit, is if they move Shane Bowers, who's a 22-year-old mm-hmm a former first round pick, low first round pick from 2017. I wonder if that could be part of the package for Giroux because he's a guy who hasn't had a lot of offensive production in the American Hockey League, but has a pretty decent draft pedigree that maybe the Flyers might be interested in. And the Flyers seem to want to recoup some prospects after Hextall's tenure has not been seen as uh yeah what the a time man well. what yeah. a time
0: what a uh, what revisionist history we are rewriting about you know hexstall time with the flyers but we don't have to rehash that that can be for another day completely <clears throat> but my second prediction is uh this never surprised me but also didn't surprise me at the same time i went back and looked at how many deadline deals were made deadline deals were made on the day itself and 16 were made on deadline day itself I predict that fewer than 16 deals will be made on deadline day. So 15. Um, Because last year was slow. Uh, I don't know if we all remember, but it was very slow. Uh, There were moves that happened before the deadline um, and like the weekends leading up to it. But uh, deadline day itself was slow. And I predict at least deadline day will be slow. I think we'll be, I think the Drew move will happen before... Like before deadline day itself. So we're probably going to get more action outside of deadline day than deadline day itself. But I don't know if you have any same feelings, thoughts, uh, but that feels like a good prediction to have because, um, you know, we're still in a very tight cap strapped market. I mean, you mentioned it, Andrew, 18 of the teams, that's over half the league have no cap space uh so i think it's going to really limit a lot of things but the deals we do get are probably going to be overpays um so that is at least one of my other predictions uh for deadline day itself which is unfortunate uh but hopefully the memes on hockey twitter will be enough to get us through because i don't know what i don't know what else would at that
1: point yeah i think you're On the money there, I remember how slow last year's deadline was because I did the live show for. Oh, that's
0: right! I wasn't there because I had to work. I think it
1: was very slow, (laughs) so. Yeah, it, I think was I hosted it? the was first half, and then Sarah Avampato hosted the second half. Wait, no, you it... you couldn't make it because okay. you were working. All right, so, I'm trying to
0: remember. It's been it's been a it's been a year. It's definitely been a year. But yeah, yeah that checks out. We did something together though, was it? We did the
1: season preview show this year, mm-hmm. and I did the uh, the live show for the draft last year yeah, with right. Mike. To stefano from locked on leafs mm-hmm. i think th- those are all the live shows i've done for them so last year was, it was very slow it was very painful i think this year there's gonna be under 10 on yeah. actual deadline day i think it's gonna be really slow but the, the deals that do happen are going to be relatively large so like i feel like that's more excitement than like having 20 trades where it's an ahl guy for yeah. whatever you know it, that's let's hope. like that's yeah. hope because it- hope
0: Because, I mean, I think Wednesday gave me hope that, you know, the deals that we do get will at least be big in terms of, you know, their packages and there'll be a lot to talk about around them. Uh, Because, like, Drew feels like the player to get moved and he seems like the top player at this deadline just in general. So I'd just be curious as to what type of package that would command. Given we seem to be in a seller's market. Uh, and my last prediction I have is. I was originally going to say the Maple Leafs overpaid for Ben Sherat But they didn't. The Maple Leafs will nab Mark Giordano. Instead of getting a goalie. So I think despite all my rantings and ravings. Kyle Dubas will stick with this goalie tandem. And nab Mark Giordano. Uh, to add to his defense. I don't want them to. I'd rather think they are better served getting a goalie, but uh, I don't know. That is, that's just the, the way I'm thinking that the Maple Leafs will go, that they'll try and beef out their defense and try and ride with the goalies they have. But I think that's a mistake.
1: Yeah. I think that there is a distinct chance that the Leafs do trade for a goalie. The thing is, I think the best situation for them isn't going to happen. I think the best situation for them to go with is to make a trade with the Montreal Canadiens and move. uh, What's his first name? Mrazek.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What's his first name? Peter. Peter Mrazic. That's I don't know why I blanked so hard on that. Peter <laughs> Mrazic to the Montreal Canadiens for Jake Allen.
0: You've been pushing the Jake Allen drum for months now. It yes, seems.
1: because Jake Allen is just way more consistent than Mrazic and he could be a better sa- safety net for Jack Campbell. Now, what would they have to send in order to get that accomplished? Because frankly, Mrazic is paid more is worse. It, it doesn't really make much sense for Montreal to do that straight up. I think they'd have to include a first round pick or a decent prospect. I think it would be a very good move for the Maple Leafs because they really, really need to make it out of the first year. First round this year, yeah. Kyle Dubas's job might depend on it.
0: I so, think they need to bite the bullet and the cost. They, I think you know the time for shrewd hockey moves is is over i mean they need to be smart about it but it's it's going to cost them a lot and i think that they need to be prepared to you know pay that cost because you know winning isn't isn't easy winning isn't cheap winning isn't free you need to pony up to you know make the next round of the playoffs basically like the the leafs need help they do uh i i want in my heart of hearts for them to get a goalie i just don't I don't know. I, I I still can see them digging their heels in on this. I hope I'm wrong because I, I don't know. I just have a bad feeling if they don't do it. Cause this feels like we're, you know, setting up for another first round disaster for them. But you never know. I, you never know. I just, yeah. I, the Maple Leafs are just a weird team, but I think that they need to, you know, they need to lose a trade to win a trade. If that makes any sense whatsoever, they need to like overpay lose a trade
1: to win a trade the series yeah yes, exactly
0: lose a trade to win a first round series i think that's what they need to do here i maybe that's the smartest thing i've ever said on this podcast it's very and possible but like to I, be fair
1: just, i think they did that last year with nick felino it's just that he got I, injured i don't know right?
0: i still wasn't a fan of that trade it just neither was i yeah i still i wasn't a fan of that trade i know you know he got injured and then everything else happened but that's how it goes i just i don't know i i think it behooves the more to go after a goaltender and lose the trade in hindsight and, you know, we'll see where it takes us in a couple of months, but I don't know. That's that's the way I'm feeling about it, and I'm prepared to be disappointed on behalf of Maple Leafs fans, because you guys, you guys can't continue with your... The goal is where you are. Uh, do no. you have any other predictions, though, Andrew? Anything else you want to mention um, before we head into trade deadline day? Because yeah, uh, yeah I it's, think, it's coming up.
1: I think the Tampa Bay Lightning are looking very closely... At winning a third straight Stanley Cup, and you look at what they've done in recent deadlines and the players that they've acquired, I think they don't go outside their own division and they acquire Arturi Lekinen from the All Montreal right. Canadians. Now, I don't want the Canadians to trade Arturi Lekanen because I think he's a part of that team that can be a huge part of the future. But if the Tampa Bay Lightning offer, say, a 2023 first-round pick, which I'm actually not even sure if they have, <laughs> Then maybe the Canadians could can be convinced to part with them because that's a lot. He feels and like a
0: player the Cana- the the Lightning would like. They really yeah, like, Yeah,
1: doesn't he? Like, like he yeah. fits right into that Blake uh, Blake Coleman yeah. Good Goodrow mold. They lost those two and Yanni Gord at the beginning of the season. I think you put him on Tampa's third line, and like this is something that I've been kind of harping on all season. Like the Lightning have been winning games like crazy, but their underlying numbers are only pedestrian and they've Mm -hmm. had streaks where they're outright bad, and it's just been uh, Andre Vasilevsky and their shooting carrying the day. Now, that could carry them through one series, but if they aren't outplaying teams, they're not going to be as strong as the last couple of years. Their power play also this year is just not as dangerous as it was last year. So having somebody who can – make the middle of their lineup significantly stronger and help them uh, hard match teams more efficiently, who's not expensive because they don't have a lot of cap space. I think the fit is perfect. He's also a guy that I think you could put on any team and just be like, yeah, go do your thing. And he just fits any team, any line. He just works hard, makes smart plays, and gets things accomplished. And I think he'd be a wonderful add for the Tampa Bay Lightning.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, he feels like the lightning type of player. I mean, Julian Brizois is, you know...
1: He's a wizard. Smart.
0: Yeah, he is. He is. Uh, right in the same school of Steve Eisenman, uh school of, you know, wizardry and hockey cap circumvention and all that stuff. Uh, I don't think we're going to see anything as wild as that this year, but uh, I hope there's at least fun moves. I hope that, you know, Giroux gets to go out with a bang tonight with the Flyers. It's an emotional celebration. Then the Flyers get a good return and he gets to go to a good home and win a Stanley cup. And then I cry even more. So that's my hope. That's like my main hope for this trade deadline outside of it just being fun. Like you're right. I don't think that I need it to have a lot of deals, but like deals of like substance and significance. And I hope that teams are creative enough. Um, and well, will at least give us something to talk about. Cause this isn't the NBA trade deadline. Sure. But it still can be enjoyable uh, because, you know, the freshness, the newness, the unknowns um, and all that stuff. Do you have any more predictions, Andrew, before I lead us out of the hockey talking into pop culture?
1: Nope. Nope. I'm good there. I, I'm willing to be surprised about everything else.
0: Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. Willing to be willing to be surprised. And I think that's a you know good way to go about it. But of up next, we're going to just, you know, end the show like we usually do with our pop culture roulette segment. And that'll be coming up right after this break. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need, Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry. I think, Andrew, you have a story about that, if I saw your Instagram post correctly the other day, but you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years, they have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for a classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks, delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and the same for, for, for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So, go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you? Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. All right, Andrew. I know you talked about Marvelous Miss Maisel last time and you said you finished it. I believe you yes, enjoyed yeah. it overall. Anything else you want to talk about in the pop culture sphere? Do you want to rant about, I don't know, your car troubles? Cause I did see that. And then I immediately thought of the rock ad and I wanted to message you, but I was like, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'll save it to the podcast. Uh, anything you want to talk about in this pop culture segment before we uh, head off for the day?
1: Yeah. I mean, for the car stuff, basically three weeks ago, I booked an appointment and said, I want this, 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 and this fixed on my car. And then I went in three weeks later for the appointment And they were like, yeah, we don't have the parts. And I was like, "Uh, I told you what I needed. Why didn't you order them in? And I talked to my dad after because he used to be a service manager when I was growing up at Ford. And he was saying like, yeah, nowadays they will never order in pretty much anything until they actually inspect the vehicle themselves because it's like they don't want to carry things and spend the money before they know for sure that somebody else is going to buy it. But some of the things that I wanted repaired were like, clips and like I don't know I think you could carry a two dollar clip in your parts <laughs> counter yeah. it doesn't seem like that big of an ask but they did carry thankfully the most important thing that I needed repaired which was uh, some of the undercarriage like the plastic covering to keep water out underneath had ripped off during uh, one of the snowstorms here where it had like freeze or it had, like snowstorm melted and then snap froze. So it froze like halfway through uh, the city, plowing a street in our area that was blocking off the alley that I park in. And I was like, I could make it over that snow pile. It's not that big. I could not make it over the snow pile (laughs) and it tore up the underside of the the vehicle, not just a plastic covering, no actual damage, but it exposed the oil pan and it Mm. tore off underneath the front bumper. So I had to get that fixed. It was like 700 bucks in total, which is it hurt, but wasn't that bad. So yeah. I was glad to get that over and done with. That was good. In terms of uh, pop culture stuff, I don't have a lot, but I did watch the Miss Marvel trailer.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And that looks pretty fun. It's yeah. very different in tone than anything else the MCU has done. Maybe like closest to Spider-Man Homecoming, maybe. But yeah. I am a huge sucker for a coming of age story. Mm -hmm. So I'm very into that.
0: Yeah, it looked really cute. I watched the trailer. I know they changed up her powers. Uh, I don't know a lot about Miss Marvel overall, but I know that she has stretching ability powers, but they don't, she doesn't have that in the show. They changed it a little bit, but I can kind of understand why, because it probably is difficult to do on a TV budget and not make it look very dumb.
1: Yeah, I think there's, Two reasons. Uh, actually, if you look at the trailer really she, closely, like,
0: extends her she, does, yeah, she does. Yeah, she does
1: stretch and she does do her imbigan thing, which is her thing in the comics. But it, the powers seem to come from gauntlets that she puts on mm-hmm. or bracelets like,
0: like Shang-Chi, because he also has bracelets. Yeah, he has
1: the the rings, right? Yeah. yeah but uh, there's like debate right now in the Marvel community about whether those are the like they're just like Kree tech or something or mm-hmm. Skrull tech that she stumbles upon or whether they are the um, I think they're, what are they called in? I think I forget, but a character named Quasar has them in in the comic book. Uh, I think the the cosmic bands, I think or something like that. But anyway, they give like incredible power, but it seems like she's operating closer to like green lantern where she can Mm -hmm. make constructs out of energy. And I see that there's some pushback against that. I'm a little bit confused by it as well, but I think first of all, Stretching kind of looks dumb on yeah. film. Like there's no real way to make it. It look looks weird. Good. It looked
0: weird in the Avengers video game that there was. Yeah. Like if she was in the Avengers video game, I don't I didn't yes. play it, but I saw some of it and it already looked weird to begin with. So that's a video game. So it, it's really difficult to do. I mean, it's what Fantastic Four nonsense too. Yeah, and like- they are doing
1: the Fantastic Four. So they, yeah. they're already gonna have to do that with Reed Richards. So I wonder if there's like worry about too much overlap between those two. And then in,
0: like the Incredibles because it's animation, but yes, the closer yeah, you get to live action. It's harder to make that look.
1: It's harder to sell it.
0: Yeah, it's harder to sell it or it just looks uh, bad.
1: <laughs> yeah. And the other thing is that in the comics, uh, Kamala Khan gets her powers from the Der- Terrigen Mists, which creates Inhumans. Well, Marvel TV tried to do the Inhumans a couple years ago, and they made one of the worst oh, yeah. TV shows of all time. And the inhumans only became popular in the comics because Marvel didn't have the rights to Mm X-Men Fox did. So they just kind of killed the mutants in the comics and stopped focusing on the X-Men to the point where for the first time in Marvel's history, they didn't have an X-Men comic for like a couple years. And it just started to come back relatively recently and is now number, like one of their big uh, uh, books again. Whereas For most of Marvel's history, it was Spider-Man and X-Men. Those were the two books that everybody wanted. And then like Hulk was a distant third. And I think Hulk is right now their number one. But anyway, the X-Men are going to be the focus in the MCU very soon. And uh, apparently they're going to be rebranded a little bit because X-Men is a little bit, uh, you know, 1960s. Which Mm -hmm. I I know people are going to get upset about, but honestly... Who cares? Who cares? (laughs) As long as we get mutants, I I don't care. I want to see Storm. I want to see Jean Grey. I want to see Wolverine, Nightcrawler, all those people. Amazing, amazing characters. Some Mm -hmm. of Marvel's best. But so I think they're not going to do the Inhuman thing because they just they haven't set it up at all. So it doesn't make sense to set it up for Kamala Khan at this point. Yeah, It, it just seems like too much to introduce to the lore. Like you'd need almost like a Eternals level movie to set up the inhumans as a subspecies so i think they're just going to change her significantly and we'll rely on her characterization more than her power set which is fine
0: yeah and it the the trailer just had it seemed fun i think above mm-hmm. all else it might not be for everybody because it is you know more teen it's more it's more teen driven um uh, but it it's at least a nice change of pace from Marvel's current offering. You're right. It's in a very, like, Spider-Man vein type of thing. And I think that appeals to a lot of people because it just seems fun. Uh, before we head off, though, I speaking of car stuff, I bought a car. So I kind of <gasps> sympathize with you. Congrats.
1: Thanks. What kind?
0: Um, It was my grandfather's car who passed oh, away. Oh, right. You told me about this. Yeah, it was my grandfather's car who passed away in late december uh, it is a 2017 toyota corolla it is Good the car. most expensive thing i own <laughs> cuz i just had cuz you know i i couldn't just get it i had to buy it from the estate all that so you know the car is under my name which is a first for me it's usually been under my parents name so you know i'm paying car insurance for it uh but it is the most expensive thing i own uh so you know here's hoping that it stays for a while but i finally upgraded in the car department i have a backup camera um i've got bluetooth in the car all this stuff i didn't have i had cars uh like the the highest like like the latest model of car i had was a 2006 uh honda accord <laughs> so i have had i have had old cars for a while and my previous car before that was um was a 2000s um oh, i don't remember the make and model of the car I only had it for a little while but a 2000 car so you know yay for new cars but it's my wallet took a hit but it's worth it because that car should hopefully keep for a while but i just you know since we were talking about cars i don't usually do cars but at least i have one now Uh, at least i own one i had one before but now i like officially own a car but i think that's gonna do it for the show uh talking about you know miss marvel and cars definitely two of our big subjects at least marvel is cars not for me but that's all we have for you today on the Crosscheck NHL Show. It's part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Make sure to follow us on your podcast platform of choice, from Apple to Odyssey to Spotify and YouTube, and re- review us where you're at it. You can follow the pod at Crosscheck NHL on Twitter, me and Mary C. Clark on Twitter, and Andrew and Andrew Berkshire on Twitter. Thanks for making the Crosscheck NHL Show your first listen every Tuesday and Friday. We'll be back on Tuesday with some more Puck Talk, but now make your second listen Lockdown Fantasy Hockey. Host Steele Roden and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts.